in my long, experienced, wisdom-filled 29 years of life here on earth, I've come to realize something, and that's life is always full of questions. There's always going to be more questions. There's always going to be more uncertainty. And a lot of times, though we demand that we know the answers, though we insist we know the answers, we don't actually know the answers. There's one particular question that it seems like our modern culture is built upon, and you fall on one side or the other when it comes to this particular question. Either it doesn't apply to you at all, or you fall to one side or the other. And this is a question that maybe you have all heard before. It's a question that ruins friendships. It's a question that divides families. It's a question that is so controversial that it has detrimental effects sometimes. And that question, of course, is, in which particular order should one watch the Star Wars movies? Do you start with number four and go to five and six, or do you start from the very beginning? I'm going to be honest, that doesn't apply to me. I've seen one of them. I fell asleep halfway through. I know nothing about it except Yoda is this really cool person, and other stuff just blows up in the middle of space. Don't come for me. They did after 10 o'clock mass, and I ain't doing that again. But the question remains, which order should you watch it in? Do you start in the middle, the first one that came out, and then later on go back to the preamble stuff, the prequel, if you will? Really, it comes to the author. The author gets to decide which order you should be able to hear it or watch it or read it. Because the author gets to determine what you get to know, what you get to see, and what leads into this whole storyline, this whole plot that you're watching. It's no different than the gospel today. We hear the very first eight verses of St. Mark's gospel, and he starts with this little introduction. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. In English, that's not even a proper sentence. It's just a statement. The beginning of the gospel, period, the end. This is what it is. But we can learn so much from what that little sentence tells us. Because he tells us where we're going, what this is about, who it entails. But he tells us it's the gospel of Jesus Christ, Son of God. And then he jumps right into not Jesus, but John the Baptist. It's the prequel. He's leading into the plot line. What that implies is that St. Mark really does know and hold and believe that the gospel kind of begins with John the Baptist. Not because John the Baptist is Jesus. Not because they're the same person, not because John the Baptist is the Messiah people thought he was, not because he's this great prophet, not because he is the one they've been waiting for, although some did think that. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, Son of God. John the Baptist was here and he was doing all this stuff. You start there because it points to something that implies and and applies to us even 2,000 years later. That the gospel of Jesus Christ should begin with us should begin with disciples, should begin with people who are trying to prepare the way for the Lord. We hear that in Isaiah tonight, make straight the paths of the Lord, he's coming. The big tall mountains and the hills, all these obstacles, bring them low. The valleys that you have to climb down and then climb back up, fill it in. Make the ground level, make it flat, make it straight. This perfect highway for the Lord to enter into the holy city, to enter into Jerusalem. Each and every one of us has those particular obstacles in our lives. What valleys are there that you need to fill in? What mountains do you need to bring down? Because each and every one of those little obstacles makes it difficult for us to welcome the Lord into our inner Jerusalem, if you will. 
our inner city, our hearts. John the Baptist sets the example for us because he did those things. Now, he was a radical type. We tend to see pictures and artwork of him with his perfectly curled hair, his trimmed up beard, his nicely tailored camel hair tunic. This man was running around almost naked in the wilderness, screaming at people, crazy hair, eating bugs and honey to live, and then baptizing people. That seems crazy in our context of 21st century America. Although sometimes I drive downtown and I see some things that are very similar to that site. We should be willing to be that radical, if you will, to let the word of God, to let an encounter with the almighty God, the living God, change us in such a way to where we're willing to die to ourselves. Because when we choose to die to ourselves, then we start to think differently. Then repentance actually starts to mean something to us. When we're dying to ourselves, we're dying to our sin, we're dying to our imperfection, knowing that the Lord Jesus can perfect that, knowing that he absolutely does. He fills in those valleys, he brings down the mountains. We can't do that by ourselves. This is a great paradox of Christianity. Left to our own volition, our own will, our own ability, we're going to fail. John the Baptist knew that, and yet he went, and he proclaimed. And what did he do? Yes, he baptized people. If I had to bet, he was much like Jesus, and maybe he invited sinners into his house. Maybe he dined with the tax collectors, the prostitutes. But he didn't do that just to be super inclusive. Look at me. Look at what I'm doing. Look at these people that I get to be friends with. No, he brought them in to call them to repentance, to say, hey, make ready the way of the Lord. Do better. Live virtuously, be holy, know the Lord, welcome him in. Because we cannot even hope to go out and to evangelize and spread the good news that John the Baptist began spreading before Jesus came around. We can't hope to do that unless we know the good news first, unless we prepare the way for the Lord to enter into our inner city first. Think about what Jesus did throughout his life. He goes to all the little towns, all the villages. He finds Matthew and Peter and Andrew and Capernaum. He hangs out there. He lives with them. He eats with them. He dines and does all these different things. And he doesn't just hang out there and talk about how great their little inner circle is. They welcome the Lord. They know the Lord. And then they leave the town. They go out into the countryside. They go out into the world with him, following him. Advent is this beautiful time for us to be able to make ready the way of the Lord, to enter into our inner city, to encounter him, to welcome him, to know him so that we can follow him back out. It's the same thing with the church. We don't come here, I hope we don't come here, every Sunday just to kind of be in our little circle. I check my little Sunday obligation box. I receive communion. And then I'm going to live Monday to Saturday as if I don't even know who the Lord is. These are all those obstacles that we need to bring low or fill in to make ready the way. Sin is an obstacle. It naturally turns us away from the Lord. It blinds us to his grace. It faces us away from him. And this isn't some doom and gloom type of thing. Oh, remember your sin. We should remember our sin. But it's so that the Lord can say, hey, this is what you're doing that makes it kind of difficult for me to enter into your heart. Let me help you with that. Let me do better for you. Let me heal you. Let me call you to repentance. 
It is entirely possible. And that's the great mystery of Christmas, that the Lord steps into our broken humanity so that he can heal, so that he can mend, so that he can call us to something higher, something better, so that we can continue throughout the rest of the days of our lives to make ready the way of the Lord. Do not be afraid to be a John the Baptist. Don't go running around screaming at people, please. But don't be afraid to go and to proclaim the gospel, to know the good news, to say, hey, there's somebody that you're looking for and it's not me. I'm not the Messiah, I'm not the Savior, I'm not the Redeemer, but I can point to the one who is. I can introduce you to the one who is, the one who comes to you, the one who desires you, the one who loves and cherishes you, the one who created you strictly out of love. All these different things we need to be reminded of day in and day out so that we can continue to welcome the Lord into our heart, our inner city, to make ready his path so as to bring him back out into the world. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. This is how it started, St. Mark says. John the Baptist, the Blessed Mother, St. Peter, St. Andrew, St. Matthew, St. Mary Magdalene, the weeping women of Jerusalem, all these people throughout their lives who met the Lord and helped spread the church, who encountered him and were radically changed and called to repentance and chose that repentance, chose that holiness, chose that virtue. Those who allowed the valleys to be filled in, who allowed the mountains and hills of their heart to be brought down low so as to make ready an easy, level, flat way for the Lord to enter. It is not too late to start Advent if you have not already. It's not too late to start preparing the way for him. And I hope and pray that you do. Because when you take Advent seriously, when you call yourself to repentance and allow the Lord to call you to something higher, something greater, you will be exalted with him. You will be adored in a certain way at Christmas. We look into the manger and see the little baby smiling back at us, and he adores us because we are the ones that he showed up for. We are the ones who are allowed, allowed, able, and willing to receive him. What are the obstacles in life? What are the valleys? What are the hills, the mountains? What is it that needs to be changed so that you too can ready the way for the Lord to go and be a John the Baptist and proclaim the good news When we take that seriously, we consider it, we pray about it, and make some decisions in our own lives, then and only then can we truly say this mantra throughout Advent and mean it. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight, make ready, make easy, make flat, make level. Make good his highway. Come, Lord, and do not delay. As we continue to go through this Advent season, brothers and sisters, Let's dedicate ourselves to being John the Baptist out in the world to truly prepare the way for the Lord. Thank you for listening. The ministry here at Christ the King is made possible through our generous donors and golden givers. If you would like to learn more or partner with Christ the King on LSU's campus, please visit www.ctklsu.org.